0: The Seahawks will be back on the road for a second straight week, heading to face the New Orleans Saints down by the Bayou. Can they get that second straight victory? We're going to be looking at a number of key matchups that will decide who wins this week five contest on our weekly matchup Wednesday segment on Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Greetings, 12s. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for Matchup Wednesday, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. As always, thanks to all the 12s out there who make Locked On Seahawks your first listen Five days a week, we greatly appreciate it. As we do each and every Wednesday, we're going to be diving into key matchups on both sides of the football as the Seahawks get ready for their second straight road contest going into a hostile environment against the New Orleans Saints down in the Superdome. We'll be looking on offense and defense. Surely, DK Metcalf and Marshawn Lattimore. Plenty to talk about that rematch coming up this weekend in New Orleans. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL. Now, for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. We are now roughly a quarter of the way through the season, four out of 17 games done. And the Seahawks rookie class has been one of the bright spots so far for this team at two and two. Rookies have been coming through, making big plays, a number of players playing significant snaps on both sides of the football and so it's time for our quarterly report card looking at this draft class now Rob obviously not every player in this draft class has played significant snaps there are a couple of guys that are not currently on the roster one on injured reserve and Tyreek Smith Bo Melton on the practice squad is yet to get a call up to the active roster Jariq Young's been on the roster but only sued up for one of the four games been a healthy scratch the other three times so those players, it's not fair to dish out a grade four, but we've got six other players that have played a lot of snaps, and we got to start with those two rookie tackles that have been starting since day one. Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas, obviously they've gone through plenty of growing pains, but both these guys have exceeded somehow exceeded expectations as first-year starters for the Seahawks.
1: Yeah, it's remarkable what Seattle's draft class just as a whole has done. And I would take a step back, Corbin. You, you said six players that we're actually evaluating for the Seahawks at that point. That, that's more than the Saints' entire draft class. Uh, you know. And so to me, that is one of the big takeaways here. It's not just quality. It is truly quantity as well. And so just considering how much of a rebuild, I'll use that word, Pete Carroll will not, that it has been, it has been a successful rebuild at this point. The the two offensive tackles have been spectacular. The two cornerbacks have been spectacular. Let's just kind of start off with the highest graded player, at least for me, and that that would be Abraham Lucas, the right tackle. Third round selection for the Seahawks. We kind of conferred when we were talking about our grades here. We gave him an A- with... Um, excuse me, with Tariq Woolen actually having the higher grade at an A. I mean, it's it's hard not to acknowledge what Tariq Woolen has done. Uh, You know, I, I argued before that we should be having some defensive rookie of the year conversations. You've made similar comments already. I mean, Three monster plays, a couple of picks, uh, pick six, of course, against uh, the Falcons this past week. The block kick, I mean, three monster plays in four NFL games for a guy that was perceived to be exceptionally raw coming into his first rookie season. Charles Cross has been pretty darn solid as well. Kobe Bryant made some big plays. Uh, certainly the punch out uh, against the Lions this past week was an impressive play as well. And then Oh, by the way, Boye Mafé and Ken Walker III have both shown their flashes as well. I love that we're talking about rookies in week after week four, and we're talking about some of the flashiest athletes in Mafé and Walker that are just starting to kind of show those flashes, which to me is one of the most exciting things. There's a lot of NFL teams out there, Corbin, as you probably well recognize, that they are just kind of betting on these flashes The the fact that Seattle is, you know, living off of other players and some of their highest profile athletes like and Walker are just showing flashes. To me, I think that we are going to see the best is yet to come kind of a thing for Mafia and Walker moving forward. And we've already seen what superstar Seattle has with some of their other draft picks already.
0: Yeah, this class has been dynamic and they were high expectations coming in with this group and a number of them. Knew they were in a great position to play right away, especially the tackles with Dwayne Brown not coming back, Brandon Schell not coming back. They had very little experience there, and it opened the door. They still had to earn those jobs. Charles Cross was the starter at left tackle, being drafted number nine overall. That already was decided, but he still had to come into camp and put in the work, and he did. And Abraham Lucas beat out Jay Curran in a competition that I thought was pretty back and forth for most of training camp in the preseason. And you mentioned it. We've got our grades here. These are collaborative grades. As teachers, we always enjoy the report cards, especially when we're talking about a really exciting rookie class. And, you know, I'd be remiss not to mention that Charles Cross, I know he's given up three sacks this year, and Abraham Lucas has given up none. But you can make an argument that Cross has had the much tougher matchups of those two. When you're the left tackle, you're going to get the best of the best rushing against you coming after the quarterback. And, He had some issues with Bradley Chubb, but he also had some really good reps. He played well against Nick Bosa. Bosa went against both these guys, and both of them had pretty good reps. But I think a solid B. The run blocking is still a work in progress, but I think his pass protection has been better than maybe the three sacks given up would suggest. He's still only given up nine pressures, the same amount as Abraham Lucas. And boy, Mafe, we debated this one a little bit just because of the snap count, but What I think gives him a B is that he has been, aside from a Cheninuosu, the only other edge defender that has consistently made plays defending the run. It's been such a struggle for Daryl Taylor. And to see the rookie come in, he was supposed to be a situational pass rusher to start off and now those roles have been reversed, and now with Daryl Johnson out, boy, Moffat is going to get even more opportunities, and hopefully that means we'll start to see the pass rushing come out of him, because he's only got two pressures so far. He did get a sack in the game against the 49ers in week two, but we have not seen him really show what he can do as a pass rusher at this point. I've been surprised seeing how proficient he's been defending the run, but Solid B just for that fact because very few players in this team have done well against the run. And boy, Mafe surprisingly has been one of them. We've seen the flashes from Ken Walker the third, but he hasn't really factored into the passing game yet. He's still getting his feet underneath him after having that hernia procedure. It feels like the best is yet to come for him as a complimentary back to go with Rashad Penny. So I think a B minus is fair for him. We have seen some of those spark plug plays, but It's kind of been more tantalizing than anything else, and you're wanting more, and hopefully the Seahawks will get that out of him as that tag team partner with Rashad Penny. You mentioned Tariq Wolin, two interceptions to lead the team. He's got that blocked field goal. Russell Wilson tested him several times in that season opener on deep balls, and he was ready for them every single time. He got a couple penalties in that game, but otherwise – did a great job staying in the hip pocket. The natural four-two-six speed, just the way he runs and glides around the field. He's been extremely excited. There's been the rookie lumps, the rookie penalties. He's had some coverage breakdowns, and yet he keeps finding ways to make up with it with those plays that make your jaw drop. You don't see that from fifth-round picks very often, but that's the caliber of athlete that Tariq Woolen is. And now you're seeing a playmaker that, quite frankly, we did not see at the college level. He had one interception in two years at UTSA. He's got two interceptions in the last two weeks for the Seahawks, and he was doing that in training camp. The light switch has come on, and we have to remember, this is only his third year playing the position, and with the gifts that he has physically and athletically, he is just starting to come into his own, and that's scary for opposing quarterbacks.
1: It really is. Tariq Woolen has been spectacular. I mean, I I get it. There's going to be a lot of national media out there who are not going to watch anybody from Seattle's defense and say they're a defensive rookie of the year candidate, considering how much yardage that Seattle has given up, considering that they are 2-2 and and not expected, at least nationally, not expected to actually be a contender for the NFC West crown, considering the way the 49ers and Rams played for the right to represent the NFC a year ago in the super bowl obviously the rams winning the super bowl at the same time, Tariq Woolen has been the NFC the NFL's best rookie so far, at least in my humble opinion. He has been absolutely spectacular. The interceptions we talked about in yesterday's show cover. The interception when he was matched up one-on-one against TJ Hawkinson, a former first-round pick himself, who of course torched the Seahawks. But that interception was spectacular. He starts off on one side of the field, basically has to accelerate all the way across. We saw the same kind of closing speed. Uh, when he got a sack earlier in the year. We saw the closing speed with the blocked punt, or excuse me, the blocked field goal earlier in the year. And the way that he just plucked the football put it away and then scores the touchdown. I mean, that's all pro kind of stuff. And as you said, I and mean, this is a guy who's only in his third year playing the cornerback position. Absolutely spectacular. And if I was to quickly transition over to Abe Lucas, the other player that got at least an A minus, but one of those top grades on our board to not give up a sack at this point in the season, there, there's no question that he has not faced the caliber of pass rushers that Charles Cross has. But at the same time, he has helped held up very well in pass protection. Some of the better pass protection blocks I've seen have been uh, from Abe Lucas so far. I love the guard play that we're seeing Gabe Jackson come in and, and provide some punch as well. Um, but Charles, or excuse me, Abe Lucas, the way that he is getting up to the line of scrimmage, getting up to the second level and knocking people down as a run blocker, that's the same thing I saw at Washington State Why I thought that he could be a, a, a future starter. I just, as As excited as I was about Abe Lucas, I didn't think that he'd be be able to come in as a rookie and be able to make the impact that he has for the Seahawks so far. And then really quickly with Boye Mafé, the flashes that we've seen, as as you said, we were hoping to see a little bit as a pass rusher, but it's been the physicality that he's shown in the running game. The Seahawks have needed it, and he has provided it. He's shown better awareness than I thought for a player who, again, like Tariq Woolen, was perceived to be pretty darn raw. And yet he has not been raw. He has actually been very aware, very physical. And again, I think that this is all a credit to the Seahawks rookies and the the scouts that brought them in, but also to the Seahawks coaching staff. They have done a terrific job of taking these players that some panned as reaches in all three of these players I'm talking about here. And instead, they've actually been some of the strengths of the Seahawks start.
0: And really the best part is Pete Carroll has talked about the last couple of weeks. They've only played four games. They are mm-hmm. going to get better, this group collectively. We might see Dariq Young start factoring in at some point as well at receiver and special teams. He just has been out as a healthy scratch because of the numbers game, but he may get that opportunity at some point. So there's so much to be excited about this group, and yet they're just scratching the surface of their potential. These guys are going to keep getting better. That is going to be bad news for upcoming opponents in the second half. They keep these guys healthy and they keep improving. This core has a chance to really be – a key backbone for the next contender for the Seattle Seahawks. So a lot to be excited about with this 2022 draft class, quarterway through their rookie seasons. It's Matchup Wednesday. We're going to get to the Seahawks on O against the Saints on D coming up next. We're always excited about this episode of the Middle Week, our favorite episode here on Locked On Seahawks. We'll start getting through those matchups coming up here next. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people in your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders linkedin jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free as a former site manager and current podcast host i've made plenty of hires over the years and linkedin has always been a go-to for me to find top candidates in sports media create a free job post in minutes on linkedin jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people add your job in the purple hashtag hiring to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire simple tools like screening questions, make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience. So you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs. Number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right candidates to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the matchup Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbus Smith. Join me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five. Days a week. We've got crossover Thursday coming up tomorrow. I'll be joining Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints to continue previewing this upcoming matchup in New Orleans. Really fired up about this game between two teams right now that are at 500 or under 500, but maybe can play their way into the playoff discussion still here early in the season. And it's going to be a loud environment in New Orleans. Looking forward to breaking down that game with Ross on crossover Thursday. And make sure you check out NFL key predictions every Friday on Locked On NFL. Locked On's local experts give you the inside scoop on the five biggest games of the NFL weekend, including Sunday and Monday Night Football, plus betting advice from the fields of leading experts at Bet Online. Follow NFL key predictions every Friday on Locked On NFL. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. All right, Rob, let's get to the matchups here. Seahawks getting ready to face the Saints' second straight road game where they're heading towards the eastern side of the U.S. They've been so good in those games compared to other West Coast teams. But this is going to be a different animal going to New Orleans, the hostile environment that is the Louisiana Superdome and having to deal with that crowd in that environment. Seahawks on offense are going to have to find a way to weather that storm of loudness and the brash fans that we're going to see in new Orleans. i think it's pretty obvious though what first matchup we need to break down when you consider what happened when these teams played last year in seattle
1: Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think that from a schematic standpoint and how I think the game might actually play, I think you could make an argument that maybe Seattle needs to look at the running game. But at the same time, in terms of just an entertainment standpoint, in terms of a scouting standpoint, oh my goodness, you got to get excited about DK Metcalf and Marshawn Lattimore going head-to-head all over again. Corbin, we've talked so many times about DK Metcalf and what just a physical monster that he is. I mean, just his size, his speed, his athletic ability, his ability to go up and high point the football. I think that he is the most physically gifted wide receiver, not only in Seahawks history, but among the most physically gifted wide receivers in NFL history. That doesn't mean that he's among the best receivers at this point in his young NFL career, but I think that he can become that, and I could say the same thing about what a talent that Marshawn Lattimore is at the cornerback position. I can go back and and tell you what I saw when I very first saw him covering the Rose Bowl, watching the University of Washington go up against the Ohio State Buckeyes and just seeing a corner in Lattimore who just had a different level of acceleration and change of direction. Uh, this is going to sound clumsy. I apologize because I hate to compare any human being to any animal, but I am a proud owner of a German short hair pointer, a dog that is known for being able to just run as fast as any animal you're ever going to see. Basically, I I take him to the dog park and my GSP can just basically outrun any other dogs out there. And that's the same type of athletic ability you see from Marshawn Lattimore. There are certain guys that if they are put at one spot, Their ability to change directions and explode off of either hip and get downfield is just remarkable. That's what Lattimore has. There are very, very few corners. Deion Sanders-like ability to accelerate downfield. So in terms of just a matchup between physical talent, then he doesn't get any better than Marshawn Lattimore against DK Metcalf.
0: And I'm sure that this is a date that has been circled on the calendar for both these guys. This is going to be a different situation than last week where DK Metcalf, and it turned out the comments that he made about Jeff Okuda, it turns out maybe he was right on that because he dominated that matchup. He backed up his words saying he's a good corner. But I don't think you're going to hear him say that necessarily about Marshawn Lattimore, even though he scored an 85-yard or 84-yard touchdown against him last year. The only touchdown the Seahawks scored in that matchup in Seattle They scored the first seven points on that long touchdown. He beat Marshawn Lattimore downfield, and these two were going at each other multiple times, and Lattimore got flagged a couple times. It was kind of one of those where Metcalf was pushing the issue, but Lattimore was the one that got busted, and these two do not like each other. I think there's a respect there, but there's also, there's clearly some angst between these two guys, and you mentioned Lattimore's quickness to change direction skills, but he has the physicality and the mentality to be able to line up against DK Metcalf and play against him. And so I mentioned it the other day. This is one of those matchups. We talk a lot of times when you're having a top receiver against a top corner, you want to get your popcorn ready because those are the kind of matchups that make you excited to watch football. But this one Don't just get your popcorn, get your boxing gloves ready, because these two might break out into a fight. Metcalf has vowed to be more mature about that this year, but is he going to be able to do it when Marshawn Lattimore is nipping at him and trying to get under his skin? And is is Lattimore going to be able to maintain his cool? Because he certainly didn't last year. And so there's just another layer of intrigue to this, not just the fact that we've got elite athletes in both Lattimore and Metcalf, play with a physical brand of football, but also they just don't like each other and it's a very competitive matchup. So there's no question that this is one that I'm really excited to watch. Now let's shift gears out to the outside because Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas, as we mentioned, they have had really solid rookie season so far. There's been some bumps in the road, particularly for Cross giving up three sacks. I mean, both these guys have handled every challenge that's been thrown at them. And yet You can make an argument, at least from a perspective of a duo of pass rushers. This might be the best all-around group of pass rushers that these two have faced so far in Marcus Davenport and Cameron Jordan. Their numbers aren't there this year, just two combined sacks, seven quarterback hits. But you know from their past that these are guys that can get after the quarterback. They're also both very good run defenders, which is going to play into this game as well. Seattle's going to want to run the ball on the road they're going to want to sustain possessions so this is going to be a tough matchup for both these guys who aren't necessarily known for their run blocking skills going up against especially Jordan a very physical player that can bully tackles a very intelligent football player high IQ this might be the toughest test that Abe Lucas has had going against Cameron Jordan in this game
1: yeah it is the toughest test that he's faced to this point Um, I would agree with you. And I love that you mentioned the the boxing analogy earlier because I think that this is a good boxing analogy here for the offensive tackles for Seattle against the Saints edge rushers because a lot of times when you watch boxing uh, matches, they'll say the tail of the tape and they'll show the arm length, the reach of those boxers. And that's really one of the areas in which the Saints two edge rushers in Davenport and Jordan really do have a bit of advantage over some of the prior pass rushers that the Seahawks have faced, they, they, they face some terrific ones. I mean, certainly we've talked about before with Nick Bosa, Bradley Chubb with the Denver Broncos, some really good pass rushers, some guys that have great quickness, have great strength, don't necessarily have both. Um, but especially with Jordan um, you know the physicality that you mentioned the savviness I mean this is a really good football player for an awful long time I really think this is going to be an interesting matchup I do think if the Seahawks are going to be able to win this game they're going to have to be able to mitigate that pass rush from New Orleans as you said it has not been that effective just yet but I worry about this matchup for the Seahawks and then you have to be able to create some movement at the line of scrimmage even in in his best games. Charles Cross has been pretty darn good in pass protection. He hasn't been able to consistently get movement at the point of attack. You look at Rashad Penny's best runs, almost all of them have been to the right side or cutting back while initially going to the right side, and then cutting back up the middle. That's because Abraham Lucas is more physical uh, run blocker at this point. I think that he's going to struggle to be able to do that against Davenport and Cam Jordan. I think the Saints have some linebackers who also flow very well to the ball, as well as some safeties that flow well to the ball. So to me, this is a critical matchup. I am going to be more entertained just from a scouting perspective um, with the receiver, the you know the, the matchup between. DK Metcalf and Marshawn Lattimore, as we talked about a moment ago. But in terms of who wins this football game, if Seattle is not able to slow down Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport, then that is going to wind up being a critical, critical matchup in this game that could ultimately decide who went, who uh, escapes the Superdome with the victory.
0: Yeah, and I think we can look at that one and think, you know, the Saints have the advantage with two veteran defenders off the edge that can stuff the run, can also rush the passer. But I think you look at the offensive lines versus defensive lines here, and it's interesting saying this because you and I have both been critical of the interior offensive line for the Seahawks. I thought they played much better against Detroit. But the interior defensive line for the Saints, they are missing a couple players. Huggins as well as Malcolm Roach are both on injured reserve. The two starters that they have, Shai Tuttle, they also have their other starter, David Onyemata, Those two have really struggled, and they're more undersized defensive tackles. This feels like a game, even with the talent the Saints have at linebacker. DeMario Davis, I still think, is criminally underrated. The guy is a tackling machine, a really good football player. But that interior defensive line feels like this is a matchup that the Seahawks should be able to take advantage of with their physical big-bodied guards, maybe get a little more of a downhill run game going against the Saints team. And last year, the Seahawks couldn't run at all against the Saints. Alex Collins got stonewalled the entire game. But they didn't have a healthy Rashad Penny. They didn't have Ken Walker III. They didn't have some of the upgrades they've got in their offensive line right now. Damian Lewis, I don't think, played in that game, and he's going to be healthy for this one. So there's a lot of differences, and the Saints are 20th in the NFL right now in rushing yards allowed. They gave up 201 yards to the Atlanta Falcons in Week 1. The Panthers ran all over in Week 3. They've been very inconsistent this season. This does not feel like last year's run defense, and they've still got the pass rushers, but I think between the tackles, that they can find some traction running against this team. So I think that that might be the most important matchup for the Seahawks on offense. If you can win the line of scrimmage and get that downhill running game going, it really opens things up for your passing game. We saw what that did last week against the Lions. I think you could see some similar things against the Saints defense. It has a lot more talent at all three levels, but they do have some question marks at defensive tackle
1: they do as you mentioned and they, they've had some injury problems there they, they do have two intriguing defensive tackles on their practice squad and christian ringo and jordan jackson um, but at the same time they are not proven commodities I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if new orleans looks around a little bit and, and tries to bring somebody in um of course they there was a little bit of news here in the last couple of days uh, the saints brought in the, the former broncos cornerback chris harris jr they lost a running back actually Ironically enough, to the Broncos, Latavius Murray. I'm surprised that they have not decided to kind of go with a little bit more beef on that defensive tackle position, considering how much that uh, some of the other teams in the NFC South like to run the football. You mentioned the Atlanta Falcons. Obviously, the Carolina Panthers are well with the superstar running back in Christian McCaffrey. Oh, by the way, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not just Tom Brady. Leonard Fournette is a superstar as well. And again, the Seahawks come rolling into town with the hottest running back in the NFL in Rashad Penny considering what he did against the Detroit Lions leading all NFL running backs in rushing yards last week so I, I am surprised by that I do agree 100% that that is a potential vulnerability by the Saints and it is on the Seahawks interior three to be able to create a little bit of push I think it's gonna be especially interesting with Damian Lewis he's coming back to his old stomping grounds he was a standout at lsu you know gabe jackson previously at mississippi state you know let's see Build. You, know, you expect that they're going to have some friends and some family members in the game let's see what you got there because i do think that this is something that seattle might be able to take advantage of and again i would agree with you i think seattle's ability to run the football is going to be critical in this game
0: we're going to switch gears now going to the Seahawks on defense going up against a Saints offense that's been banged up. They've been dealing with issues at quarterbacks, still trying to figure things out in the post-Drew Brees era. But certainly, they've got weapons. We're going to take a look at matchups on that side of the football coming up next here on our Matchup Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis On every game you can find, and as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports and wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, Boxing, and Golf, head to the BetOnline.net website or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rain. Thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And for your second listen, make sure to check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. All right, we just looked at the Seahawks on offense heading into this week five matchup on the road. Loud environment against the Saints. Pretty talented defense. Got a lot of talent at all three levels. There are certainly some areas of vulnerability, though. You can say that about the Saints on offense, too. There are some question marks, and that's one of the big reasons they're going into this game at one and three. They've had injuries. There's been inconsistencies putting points on the board. They've had two different quarterbacks playing. Andy Dalton probably going to be the starter this week, but maybe Jameis Winston comes back. We don't know just yet. What's the first matchup that jumps out to you when you look from a Seahawks perspective on defense going up against the Saints offense?
1: Well, you said it, Corbin. Until we know for sure who's going to be the starting quarterback, I think that we have to look elsewhere. Um, You know, certainly with Jameis Winston, I mean, he, when it's bad, Jameis and his willingness to throw the ball into coverage, that might be an advantage for the Seahawks if Jameis Winston were to be on the field rather than Andy Dalton, who is trying to prove, like Geno Smith, that he is not washed up in any regard. But I think if we focus in on the honest scrimmage, uh, you know, We talked about in yesterday's show the fact that the Saints lost Teron Armstead, a former all-pro left tackle for them. Now they have a, a free agent addition from the Baltimore Ravens and James Hurst, and, and he's been a solid player for them, but he is not the type of athlete that Teron Armstead was. And so we've seen other Nuosu be able to take over football games for the, the Seahawks so far. So to me, that's going to be an interesting matchup. And then on the other side, Ryan Ramchick, former first-round pick, I'm curious to see Boye Maffe against him, Daryl Taylor against him, uh, you know, and anybody else that Seattle is gonna be rushing off that right tackle position. Neither Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston are especially fleet of foot. And so it's going to be critical for Seattle to be able to get a little bit of pass rush, uh, to be able to force those quarterbacks to step up in the pocket, throw the ball in coverage where we know the Seahawks, especially with Tariq Wool and definitely Quandre Diggs as well, have the ball skills to be able to not only collect passes, but take them back the other way.
0: Yeah, you mentioned James Hurst. He's only given up five pressures in one sack this year, according to Pro Football Focus. And he doesn't have the athletic traits, but he's more of a technician, and he's played a lot of football. So he's ended up being a decent replacement over there. His run blocking is suspect. That is an area where I think the Seahawks can have some success, especially with uh, Uchenna Nwosu over there. He's played the run just as well as rushing the passer away from that one botched, cutback that he allowed Corderell Patterson to break loose on in week three. Otherwise, he's been really good against the run. Again, I'm going to call out Daryl Taylor here, though. You've lost Daryl Johnson, who just led to you being benched. Daryl Johnson's now injured. Taylor's got a chance to maybe be the starter again this week, or maybe it's Boy Mafé, whoever it ends up being. They've got to be able to get some pressure off that side against Ryan Ramchick, who has given up two sacks this year and eight pressures. He's been good, but not great. Not playing maybe at his best so far. And he's had some issues in the past with athletic guys, which leads me to believe Daryl Taylor, who I don't believe played against the saints last year. He was coming off that scary injury in Pittsburgh. I don't think he played in that game, his burst and his speed. We've seen flashes. He had that strip sack against the Falcons This is another game where the matchup with his athleticism, you think he's the kind of guy that could give Ramchick some problems off the edge. But we haven't seen that consistently. Maybe he comes out with his pants on fire a little bit in this game because, hey, I got benched. I need to deliver. That was kind of a message, a statement from Pete Carroll. We need more from you. I like that matchup pass rushing. Run defense-wise, you know, we haven't seen Daryl Taylor do anything, but boy, Mafe has played really well. Ramchick is a pretty solid run blocker, though, so there's going to be some challenges. That's going to be a stiff test for him. I think that this is going to have a big bearing on who wins this game, regardless of who's playing quarterback. Can the Seahawks get more pressure than they got last week against Detroit? Against two tackles, Ramchick's really solid. Hurst is... It's better than advertised, but he is a player that can be beaten in pass pro and has been underwhelming in run blocking. It feels like this could be a matchup that favors Seattle a bit more than last week when they were going against two really good tackles, and Taylor Decker and Panay well Looking at the next matchup for the Seahawks on defense, just talked about those outside offensive linemen, the tackles. But really what it boils down to, can you stop Alvin Kamara, which has been something the Seattle Seahawks have not been able to do basically any time that they have played the Saints, whether it's been on screenplays. He has murdered them on screenplays the last couple of years. The home win that they had, I believe, in 2019, Alvin Kamara basically looked like he had butter slathered all over his uniform. The Seahawks could not get him to the ground. He was slipping through their tackle attempts. They've already had their issues tackling The onus, again, is going to fall on those linebackers as well as Josh Jones or Ryan Neal, whoever ends up getting most of those snaps at safety. They are going to get matchups going against Alvin Kamara as a receiver, and they're going to get opportunities going against him as a running back too. I'm expecting he's going to be healthy enough to play in this game if we're not playing last week. His slipperiness, his uh, surprising power that he plays with, has given the Seahawks defense fits every time they've been matched up against this team. And I expect, again, with the issues they've had, it's going to be a problem. You either need to step up and take another stride forward as a run defense, or this is a game that New Orleans could win running away, literally by running away with Alvin Kamara. He is a one-man wrecking crew when he gets going. So to me, that is the most important thing for the Seahawks defense. Can you find a way to slow down number 41 who has dominated you in past matchups?
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, you you consider the fact that that Seattle has played some really good running backs to this point. I mean, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon in Denver and obviously just about everybody that San Francisco throws out there. Uh, Corderell Patterson was able to chew him up pretty good. And then a good good backup, but still a backup uh, in in Williams this past week uh, against the Detroit Lions. And I don't think any of those guys can hold a candle to what Kamara is. I mean, this is just a dynamic talent. And you know, I mentioned kind of the, the clumsy comparison previously with my, you know, my my dog and and kind of comparing him to, uh, you know, the the, the Saints cornerback and Marshawn Lattimore, just the way that he moves, I'll I'll use another kind of clumsy comparison for a long time, Corbin, when I thought of the number 41, when it came to football, I thought of Eugene Robinson, one of the great free safeties I'd ever seen in terms of his ball hawking ability, his instincts, but Kamara changed that. I mean number 41 for the saints is just a different kind of guy and just the how slippery terrific way of describing it with a, like he's got butter all over him how slippery he is his underrated power his lateral agility his acceleration his hands out of the backfield and considering how much the Seattle has struggled to stop opposing running back so far this season and at times over the last couple of seasons this is a terrifying matchup in yeah. so many different ways now if Camaro not able to play, then the Saints still have another superstar in Mark Ingram, who actually plays a lot like Jamal Williams uh, of the Detroit Lions previously. He is that downhill runner who will put you on your backside. They've got another slashing running back, Dwayne Washington from UW that a lot of our listeners may be familiar with as well. The Saints have one of the best Running back rooms in all of the NFL, in my opinion, very comparable to Seattle's. So, even if Kamara is not able to play for the Seahawks, then I still think that this is a huge concern. And I'll mention one other player, Taysom Hill. The former quarterback, tied in, sometimes running back, sometimes wildcat quarterback. Seattle has historically struggled with guys who have that type of versatility. So to me, he is another player. I'll just kind of lump in with this that I think is a huge concern. We're going to talk a lot about the quarterback. Certainly when they show the game, they're going to talk a lot about the quarterbacks. I think slowing down New Orleans running game and by extension, Seattle trying to exert their power in their own running game. That's really going to be the critical matchup in this game.
0: And they've got to find a way to limit explosives. That has really been the big issue for the Seahawks. It's been on the ground. It's been in the passing game. Though they haven't given up a lot of vertical throws downfield, they've given up a lot of chunk plays, which has been kind of a chronic issue for the Seahawks' defense for the last three or four years running. That has continued this year. They've given up, I believe, 26 explosive plays so far this season. Of 20 plus yards that is just not going to get it done they've got to find a way to limit those plays and that isn't just limited to alvin Kamara. this saints team has a ton of talent at wide receiver michael thomas didn't play last week and he's been battling injuries it seems like non-stop the last couple years it feels like it's been an eternity since 2019 when he had 149 catches and over 1700 receiving yards but he has three touchdowns already this year when he's been healthy has yet to surpass 75 receiving yards in the game, but he's caught three touchdowns. He's made a nice return for New Orleans with kind of a shaky quarterback situation with Winston and Dalton at the trigger, but he's still one of the best receivers in the NFL when he's healthy. You've got Chris Olave, the first-round pick from Ohio State that has – more than 30 catches. He has over 300 receiving yards already. He has only caught one touchdown, but he has been dynamic for them. A guy that can win downfield as a vertical threat. That is going to be a fun matchup going against the speedy corner Tariq Woolen, Mike Jackson or Sidney Jones, whoever ends up playing on the other side. You're going to have to deal probably with Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry in the slot. That's a name that a lot of people don't remember that the Saints got him in free agency and he's not been as productive the last couple of years, but he is still a guy that can do a lot of damage from the slot. And oh, by the way, you've got a rookie and Kobe Bryant who hasn't played very many snaps in that slot position going up against a masterful route runner in Jarvis Landry. Marquez Callaway is also there. They've got Trey Smith. I mean, this is a team that's got a lot of talent at receiver. And if they had a little more stable quarterback situation, you'd think this would be a pretty potent offense with the weapons they have. But, I'm just looking at the corners for Seattle. They've had some issues with penalties and big plays. This is going to be a group you better be on your P's and Q's. You better be on your A game, or they are going to hit some big plays on you, regardless of who's playing quarterback. There's just too much talent. There's after-the-catch capability, savvy route running across the board. Uh, this could be a very dangerous mashup for Seattle's corners.
1: I agree with you. It is a spooky matchup in, in so many different ways. Um, I, I think that while I would love to see Chris Alave and Tariq Woolen run just against each other just because of the same type of athletic ability and, and scouting uh, excitement I would have, like we talked about before with DK Metcalf and Marshawn Lattimore, I don't think that's likely to happen. Alave has been lined up a lot at that uh, left or excuse me, the right side. And, uh, you know, Tariq Woolen has been lined up in the left side uh as well and so we're not likely to see that kind of matchup um very often excuse me um and been lined up on the, on the right side again i don't think that we're going to see that matchup as often i think that michael thomas uh and, and by extension the other receiver that you had mentioned uh you know former tennessee guy and i'm spacing on his name here for a moment marcus uh, Callaway. Marquez Calloway, I think there's actually a really interesting matchup against Tariq Woolen in a lot of different ways because of their greater physicality. That that's been one of the concerns I have with Woolen. I've been so impressed by Woolen's physicality um, over the first month of the season, but that was one of the the concerns that I and others had about him. Um, Alave against Sidney Jones, against Mike Jackson, uh, that to me feels like a bit of a mismatch because Alave just has that straight line speed. You mentioned the same thing with Jarvis Landry. Kobe Bryant has been pretty solid in coverage. I love the punch out fumble that we saw against Detroit here this past week. Um, but at the same time, Landry is a very, very savvy route runner, the type of guy that usually gives rookie cornerbacks a lot of trouble. Um, you know, and so to me, this is, again, a, a pretty spooky matchup for the Seahawks. You, you mentioned that Lavi only has one touchdown so far. Well, that one touchdown came this past week against the Minnesota Vikings. So kind of like it feels like Seattle is starting to kind of go on the upswing. It feels like a is starting to go a little bit on the upswing as well. And by the way, that was with Andy Dalton at the quarterback position. Dalton is it's similar in a lot of ways for those who aren't watching New Orleans football. It's similar in some ways to what Seattle is dealing with. Geno Smith is the smarter, safer quarterback. Andy Dalton for the Saints is the smarter, safer quarterback. Jameis Winston will throw the ball down the field. He might throw an interception or two, but he's also going to wow you with his big arm and his accuracy on deep balls, his willingness to make those throws. Some of the things that really intrigued me about Drew Locke. So to me, that's going to be one of the more interesting things is who is lined up for the Saints, regardless of who that quarterback is. There is no doubt about it. The Saints have an awful lot of talent at wide receiver and at running back. And considering how many points the Seahawks have given up here recently, that has got to be a terrifying matchup.
0: Why do you think we emphasize that outside pass rush first and foremost? Because you're going to need to get to the quarterback or this is not necessarily a great matchup for the Seahawks. They've had their struggles on defense and just the playmakers galore that the Saints have. And of course, a few of those guys didn't play last week and maybe they won't play this week. That would change things a lot, but they've got a lot of weapons on the outside. This is still a very talented football team, even though they're one and three that could be on the verge of a breakout game, and they're kind of due. So that's kind of a scary prospect going this game. The Seahawks are hoping they can keep their momentum. We're going to continue looking at that matchup tomorrow. I'll be joining Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints, and the two of us will take part in our latest crossover Thursday, taking a look at some key storylines diving further into the matchups and of course some predictions going into Sunday's week five contest. I'm Corbin Smith. You can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob rang. Make sure to check out locked on Seahawks and Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, and of course, five days a week on YouTube. Make sure to check out locked on crossover Thursday tomorrow with locked on saints. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Go Hawks.